many of you, this has been a great year for you? Raise your hand. It's been a good year for you? I'm, I'm always, I always try to be sensitive as a pastor uh, because for some of you, it's not been a great year. It's been a rough year for you. You've had loss and you've had death and rejection and you've had grief in your life. Uh, and then others, you've had the greatest triumphs you've ever had. And for some of you, it's been a mixture of both, right? But as we stand here on the last Sunday of 2018, how many can say that we're still blessed? Come on, aren't you blessed? He's sustained us. He's provided for us. He's protected us. And it has been a great year at the Hills. Our video editing team had to do a really good job figuring out how to keep that. We could, that could have been the entire service. We really, literally have had so many stories of people's lives being changed. We've seen uh, exponential growth in our church, uh, in numbers, in serving, in giving. And so it's been a, a great, great season. And this Sunday is always weird for me as a pastor. There's, it's, it's this awkward kind of Sunday. And how many of you, when you walked in today, you didn't know what to say to somebody like, Merry Christmas, Happy New, it's not quite New Year. How many know what I'm talking about? It's like, Happy Holidays, whatever. Uh, well, that as a pastor, it's kind of that same thing because you're not quite done with 2018. You're not quite into 2019. But I felt like it was also very prophetic for us as a church that we as a church body are preparing to leave a now and enter into a next. Now, don't let me preach starting off right now. We're, we're leaving a now. We're still in it, but you can feel it. It's moving and we're moving into our next. And I can tell you as a, as your pastor that as goes the church, so go the people that attend that church, the members. And so you'll see this happening in your life. So I know I haven't read a text yet, but you should be writing this down. So you can pay attention over the next several weeks, months, and, and as we begin to progress along, that for many of you, God is going to be taking you from your now to your next. So don't be surprised by that. Matter of fact, I would encourage you to prepare your heart and your mind for that. How many are ready to get out of a now and into a next? All right? Good. And as a church, we're excited about our next uh, we are about to embark on the biggest endeavor that we have ever embarked on as a church. Uh, we've been in this building for seven years, and it's been great. Uh, it's, it, it has served us well, and we have worn this place out. But God has given us our own building, and we're in the process right now of, of, of our best for last offering. We're in the process of designing and planning and getting ready to transform that movie theater into a home for the hills and into the house of God. We're excited about that. And hopefully, prayerfully, in the next couple of weeks, they're going to be taking sledgehammers to some walls. Won't that be fun to get some pictures of that? How many love to do some of that? Oh, I know you would. You keep asking me all the time. Can I get a sledgehammer? I think we're going to do, we're going to do like $10,000 for 30 minutes, okay? You got to bring your own sledgehammer. We ain't paying for that, all right? Maybe a good fundraiser. Let out some aggression on it. (laughs) Uh, So we are. We're really excited about that. As I was thinking about this week and and what to share with you, uh, I began to think about our desire as a church family to have a place, not just for us, but to be a place for God that can say, this is God's house. It was a movie theater, but now we are transforming this thing into God's house. And I went back and started reading some in 2 Samuel about a king named David who had the same desire to build God a house. Look what it says, 2 Samuel 7, 
and 1. When King David was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all the surrounding enemies. Now remember the context of this. David is coming to the end of his reign as king and, and pretty soon to the, will be to the end of his life. And it says that he was settled in his palace. Man, that doesn't sound good. How many would like to come to the end of your life and that's what they would say of you? He was settled in his palace. And then not only that, and God had given him rest from his surrounding enemies. That would be a great epitaph, wouldn't it? Just on the tombstone. That's what happened at the end of her life. She was settling her palace and God had given her rest from all of her enemies. How many of y'all got some enemies you'd like to have rest from? Right? Don't. Yeah, you do. Come on, admit it. You would. Well, that's what David, so if there's ever a time that he could have just settled down, I mean, he's in a palace, he's got servants, he's got no enemies messing with him, that's the time to settle down and enjoy your life. But instead, the king summoned Nathan the prophet and look, David said, I am living in a beautiful cedar palace, but the ark of God is there in a tent. When he could have shut it down, relaxed, retired, done with it. All he could think about is, what is the presence of God doing in that tent? While I sit in this beautiful palace taken care of, no enemies, no worries, no stress, what a mindset this is. And I believe that God wants his kids to have the same kind of mindset. That would say, instead of me settling in and just enjoying my life and the blessings of God, I want to think about what's happening next in the kingdom of God. I want you to look at your neighbor, and I want you to look and say, this is the last Sunday this man gets to preach in 2018. Tell him. Say, this is the last Sunday he gets to preach. Uh Keep telling him. Say, now he's going to do his best to keep it short. But if you don't help the man that's going long today, all right? I'm joking, we won't go long. What an audacious thought. Think about this. David says, I want to build God a house. That is, that's audacious, that's crazy to think. Matter of fact, you can read it, not right now, but when you get home, I'd recommend you doing some homework. You can read this story in 2 Samuel and also in 1 Chronicles. All these books, you'll find the same stories in in these books and sometimes in 1 and 2 Kings as well. But God literally says to him, he says, you want to build me a house? Good luck with that. I am God. You're going to build me a house. Kind of smart. I love when God gets a little smart aleck. Don't you like that? No, you don't either. You hate it. But he does it every once in a while. You're going to build me a house. Good luck with that. And yet, there was something about David's desire to build God a house that moved God's heart. And he said, since you want to build me a house, I'm going to do something for you. First of all, I got some bad news for you. You're not the one I've chosen to build me a house. You're not going to do it. And I I love David's response because for some of us, if we really want to do something for God with everything we have and God says, yeah, I picked somebody else. We just say, okay, I'm done. I'm going back to my palace and settling in, right? David says, no, God, I'm open to whatever you want to do. I'm just honored that you're even talking to me, that you're even giving me some time with you. And so the scripture says in 2 Samuel 7 and 11, look at this. Furthermore, 
The Lord declares to you, this is God speaking through Nathan the prophet to David. Furthermore, the Lord declares to you that he will make a house for you. Because you wanted to build me a house, now I'm going to build you a house. That was better than that amen was. Matter of fact, he says, I'm not just going to build you a house. Look what it says. A dynasty of kings. For when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name, and I will secure his royal throne forever. So God told David, because you wanted to build me a house, I'm going to do the same. I'm going to build you a house. Not only am I going to build you a house, I'm going to build you a house that will never, ever end. Matter of fact, Jesus Christ is going to sit on the throne that I'm going to establish for you. And I don't know if you all know this, but Jesus Christ's kingdom never ends. So David never placed a brick on top of a brick in the temple that he wanted to build God. He never placed one brick. He never drove one nail He simply said, I want to build God a house. And God said, because of that desire, I'm going to build you one. And I'm going to build you an everlasting one. If you and I will have the heart to build God's house, God will build our house. What if the mindset could shift for us instead of us building and planning and scrounging and budgeting and dreaming and working and all the stuff that we do to try to get our house taken care of so that we can settle in and enjoy it? What if we were the type of people that were budgeting and planning and dreaming and all the stuff that you do to make life happen, but it was with the goal of let's make God's house as great as it can be? If you can do that, then you're going to find that you don't have to worry about your own house. God will take care of your house. Now, some of you can't amen this because you haven't lived it. But there are some that can amen it because you've lived it. I'd like to hear those of you amen that. Mm -hmm. And David, God tells David, he says, I'm not just going to build your house. I'm going to build a house for your kids and for your grandkids And for your grandkids' grandkids, you get a house. You get a house. You get a house. Everybody gets a house. That's that's what God is saying. I'm going to establish you a house, a dynasty of kings. How many of you would agree that that's a legacy? How many of you want to leave a legacy for your kids? The rest of y'all just want to eat it up. They ain't living off me. Come on. How many want to leave a legacy for your kids? All right. How many want to receive a legacy? I'll take one. I'll take a legacy. The greatest way that you and I can leave a legacy is to focus on God, God's house, God's kingdom. He said, if you will put me first in my righteousness, all of these things will be added unto you. As I was praying this week about this message, and and now I'm getting close to 50 years old, and and I began to think about the legacy that I want to leave. What, What do I want to leave? I could hear the Holy Spirit say, if you will quit focusing on leaving a legacy, lean into me, I will give you a legacy. And so I'm, because of that today, my wife, this is not bragging, but Chris and I and our boys have brought the largest offering that we've ever given in the history of our church. Because I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me, 
I want, I want to help you as a pastor of this church see things happen in your life. And so here we are. And I'm excited about being a part of it. All right, let me finish. Uh, let me finish out because I told you I wasn't going to preach long today. So look at what happens here in First Chronicles 22 and 6. So God speaks to David and he says, I'm going to build you a house and your son is going to do it. So David calls for his son Solomon. And David sent for his son Solomon and instructed him to build a temple for the Lord, the God of Israel. My son, I wanted to build a temple to honor the name of the Lord my God, David told him. But the Lord said to me, you have killed many men in the battles you have fought. And since you have shed so much blood in my sight, you will not be the one to build a temple to honor my name. But you will have a son who will be a man of peace. I will give him peace with his enemies and all the surrounding lands. His name will be Solomon. And I will give him peace and quiet to Israel during his reign. He is the one who will build a temple to honor my name. And he will be my son. I will be his father. And I will secure the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. And then he goes on in verse 14. Listen, remember, remember this. David could have been settled into his castle with nothing else going on. But instead, look what he tells Solomon. I have worked hard to provide the materials for building the temple of the Lord. Nearly 4,000 tons of gold, 40,000 tons of silver, and so much iron and bronze that it cannot be weighed. I have also gathered timber and stone for the walls, though you may need to add more. You have a large number of skilled stonemasons and carpenters and craftsmen of every kind. You have expert goldsmiths and silversmiths and workers of bronze and iron. Now begin the work and may the Lord be with you. So David tells his son, since I am not the one that gets to build the house, I'm going to do everything I can to help you build it. And I'm going to give you a head start in doing this, son. Now, it took 20 years for Solomon to build the temple. Can you imagine how long it would have taken him if he would have had to done the work that David did before him? Parents, mentors, teachers, adults, we have the ability to give our kids and our grandkids and to give children that we will never, ever meet such a head start in life if we will do the work now for what they're going to inherit later. Now, I'm not a good preacher, but that's good preaching right there. So David did several things. And again, I love the fact that David could have been settled in. It was retirement time, and yet he said, I worked very hard to do this. I was wanting to move the kingdom of God further. So here's how David helped Solomon. Three things. If you want to take notes, you can take them down because I believe these parallel what we should be doing uh, as adults and as parents in our own children's lives. Here's what he did. Number one, David instructed Solomon how to build God's house. He taught him this is how God's house is supposed to be put together. I want to say something to those of you that have been, that are mature believers, you've been living for God for a while, that's on us right there. As God begins to bring new people into our church, and man, they just keep being added and added and added, and God is doing such a quick work, it is on you and I to teach and train them, this is how God's house is supposed to operate. 
I'm looking at some of you that have been believers for a long, long time, but you're not discipling anybody. I want to encourage you to change that in 2019. Begin to find someone that you can teach them the ways of God. This is what we do. So he was telling Solomon, Solomon, this is how you put this together. This is it. And so we need some folks that can train up our children and train up new believers as they're coming in to instruct them. This is how God's house operates. This is what we do in God's house. This is what we don't do in God's house. How many grew up knowing what those rules were? Right. And now we just have fun. Everything's easy. But there are some things that need to be taught. And honestly, it shouldn't just be me on Sunday morning. Thank you. So he instructed Solomon how to build God's house. Secondly, David provided the resources for God's house. You and I have the ability to provide the resources now for what our children will inherit later. What our children and children's children will worship in and be married in and be dedicated in. We have the potential right now to provide the resources for that. And I'm not just talking about the building that we have that we're transforming into a a house for God. I'm talking about our homes, our lives, our mentalities, our attitudes. Right now, we are providing the resources for the life that our children will live. And thirdly, David made sure that the right people were at the right place at the right time for the right reason. He said, I've gathered the silversmiths. They're going to take care of the silver. I've got the goldsmiths. They're going to take care of the gold. I've got the smiths. Who knows what they're going to do? And then, he didn't say that, but I thought that was funny. I've got the woodmen, the carpenters, and what I'm, they're going to do. The silversmith's not going to take care of the gold. He's going to do what he's supposed to do right here. The silversmith, she's going to take care of that, okay? This is how it all works out. If you and I can make sure that we're doing our best to get the right people at the right place at the right time for the right reason, beginning with us, making sure we're in alignment and doing what God wants us to do in this house, then our kids can inherit a legacy and be so much further down the road. And then... The scripture tells us, 2 Corinthians 5 and 1. So Solomon finished all his work on the temple of the Lord. Everybody say, whew. Don't you love that feeling right there when you're just done with something? How many of y'all like to cut grass? I don't, but I don't cut grass, but I like to cut grass. The reason I like to cut it is because I can look behind me and say, I just did that. As a pastor, everything we deal with is eternal and it's ethereal and it's spiritual. And, and some, every once in a while you get to see like, okay, that just happened. That's awesome. And so that's why I like to iron clothes. You iron clothes like that? Because I can see I did that. Yeah, I like that. I want to see something. And, and so uh, this is the feeling that Solomon has. Solomon finishes the work. His daddy taught him how to do it. His daddy set him up. Everything's great. And then watch what he does. And then he brought all the gifts his father David had dedicated, the silver, the gold, and the various articles, and he stored them in the treasuries of the temple of God. He took the gifts that his daddy had dedicated to God's house. Solomon could have kept those in his own treasury. He could have stacked them up in his own palace, but he didn't. He brought them, the, 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 the items that David had said, these are for the house of God. He brought them to 
the house of God. I want to encourage you today not to use the things that God meant for himself and for his house for other things. I want to encourage you to do that. To make sure that if God has given you talents, that you began in the, using them in the house of God. I want to encourage you even with your tithes. And, and sometimes there are some of you here today that could write big one-time checks and do some great stuff and thank God for it. And I believe that's going to happen. But if you're not honoring God in the tithe, the first 10%, Malachi says you are robbing God. Bring that to God. That's his. This is what Solomon did. He said, this is a gift that's meant for God. I'm not going to keep it for myself. Brought it and placed it in the house of God. But then he didn't stop there. Look at what the scripture says in chapter 5 and verse 6. There before the ark, King Solomon and his entire community of Israel sacrificed so many sheep, goats, and cattle that no one could keep count. First of all, he didn't stop by just bringing his daddy's offering. I know a lot of people that are still coasting on their mom and dad's obedience and sacrifice. Mom and dad's relationship with God. Man, if I had an organ, we'd preach right now, right? Still coasting on it. The old timers used to say this, God doesn't have any grandchildren. You don't get grandfathered into this thing. This starts with you. David could have said, my daddy did all that stuff. I mean, Solomon could have said, my daddy did all that stuff. Isn't that good enough? He didn't. He said, now, daddy, you did great. Now I'm going to bring my own offering. And he didn't just bring an offering. He brought an extravagant offering. Did you notice what it said? It said he brought so many that they could not even count it. How many would like to have that kind of blessing in your life? They just keep bringing it in. I can't wait for the day as a church staff that we just can't even count it all. There's too many people wanting to serve and too many people wanting to give. You know, in Acts, they literally told them, y'all got to quit giving. You gave too much. Wouldn't y'all love to be able to say that? Hey, we're going to refund some of y'all because... What would cause Solomon to have that kind of desire to be that much of an extravagant giver? You know what? A daddy that taught him a life of generosity. A daddy that taught him how to give and how to serve and how to lay your life down. I can tell you right now that the greatest gift that you could ever give me is to tell me that my sons are givers. Greatest gift I receive. I love my boys. I brag on them all the time. Chris and I are crazy about our children, but I can tell you, the greatest thing that I hear is when someone sends me a text and says, your boy helped me load my mama into the car the other day, open the door and put the walker in, and big chest goes up like this. I get the text that says, Evan just left a $100 tip at Waffle House for the waiter. And it wasn't my money. It was his money. What does that do to me? That's the greatest gift you could ever give me to tell me that my children are givers. Solomon learned extravagant generosity by watching his father's generosity. Parents, they're watching us. They watch when we give 
when we don't give. They watch where we serve, where we don't serve. They watch when we forgive and when we don't forgive. And that's the legacy that we're going to leave them. Somebody say amen or uh uh-oh, either way, whatever you want to say. Man, the last Sunday, and he's preaching hard. Last one, I'm coming in strong. Let's go, all right? And watch what follows this extravagant generosity. Second Chronicles 5 and 13. And at that moment, a thick cloud filled the temple. And the priest could not minister or could not continue their service because of the cloud. For the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. Now, you don't know what I'm praying for this year? I'm praying for the glorious presence of the Lord to fill our temple. That's what I'm praying for. And it's going to happen. I'm believing for it. I'm believing for more miracles, signs, and wonders, and salvations, and deliverances. I'm believing for so many in 2019 that this video we showed a minute ago, instead of being three minutes long, it's going to take a whole service for us, all right? That's what I'm believing for. So I hope you are too, because that's where we're going, all right? So everybody say the cloud. The cloud. And then and it, the cloud shows up and the priest could not continue ministering. And then look at what happens in chapter 7 and verse 1 of Second Chronicles. Then Solomon finished praying and the fire flashed down from heaven and burned up the offerings and sacrifice. And the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. And the priest could not enter the temple of the Lord because of the glorious presence of the Lord filled it. The presence of God came so strong that the priests could not even continue their ministry. Let me tell you something. You know God has showed up when preachers showed up, all right? Amen. Y'all can amen that. That's okay. I said it, all right? Like, are we supposed to amen that? Will that offend him? No, that's the truth. They could not even... They can, now, see, the cloud and the fire represent the presence of God. When the cloud showed up, it says the presence of God was there. When the fire showed up, the presence of God was there. This is my prayer. My prayer for us as a church in 2019 is that the presence of God shows up in our services more than ever before. Shows up in our homes. Shows up in our cars. At our work. In our schools. How many want His presence more than you've ever wanted it before? Everybody say cloud Cloud. and fire. Fire. You ever heard of those two things before? Where have you heard those before? Where have you heard those? The children of Israel, when they leave Egypt and they're wandering in the wilderness, what guides them? A cloud by day and a fire by night. But all through those 40 years, the cloud and the fire never stop moving. They're always moving, always guiding. But here on this day, when Solomon says, this is your house. I know my daddy collected all the stuff for it. And I know years later, they're going to call it Solomon's temple. But it is not. God, this is your house. There's something powerful when you and I dedicate a space to God. Amen? When we say, this is God's space. When we dedicate a day to God, when we dedicate a percent to God, a room to God, this is your space, God, right here. When we do that and when we have extravagant giving, God cannot help but show up. And so the cloud and the fire that never stopped moving on this day, they came into God's house 
and they settled there. It was almost like the cloud and the fire signifying the presence of God said, "Ah, I finally have a home. You know, that's really all he's ever wanted. Why did he create us? Why did he create Eden? Because God wanted a home, a place, a space. And yes, we're talking about a building. We're talking about a 35,000 square foot theater that's going to be transformed into the a house of God and a home for the hills. And not just on Sunday, but all through the week being used and an and event center and co-working space. And all, we're talking about that. But in reality, what we're really talking about is this right here. Yeah. Right? That's what we're talking about. Because that's really what God wants. Because if he gets that, then he doesn't have to worry about the rest of it. So as we close out 2018 and begin to gear up and set goals for an incredible year, I want us to stop this year and start this year by really examining this. Have I really created a space that God can fill at home? Have I done that? I want you to close your eyes and I want to pray for you today. Come on, no one looking around. With your eyes closed, please. Thank you, Lord, for this year. I thank you that you have comforted us, that you have cared for us in times of great loss and sadness. I thank you that you have brought multiplied blessings upon us and you have opened doors for us and you have created a way when there did not seem to be a way. I thank you for that. I thank you for an amazing year. And I thank you for the year that you have prepared and provided for us next year. But I'm praying right here, right now, on this day. This day, one out of 365 days, right here, right now, this moment. That you will do the work that only you can do. Move on hearts. Go beyond the music and the word. Do what only your spirit can do. Thank you, Jesus. I want to ask you this morning, have you you made your heart, your life a home for Jesus Christ? Does he feel at home there? I'm not talking about subletting a room to him back in some corner. I'm talking about the whole thing, that he has the keys to it. And I'm looking at some of you that have, it's hard for you because it's hard for you to trust after you've been hurt the way you've been hurt. Hard for you to give after you've been raised the way you've been raised. You've worked hard for what you have. It's hard for you. But I want to ask you today, Is Jesus Lord of your life? Maybe you've never even said that one time. You've never even made that that statement, Lord, I want you to be my Lord. Or maybe you've been a believer, but He's not really Lord of everything. He wants to be, He wants to feel at home in your heart and in your life. If that's you today, and on this morning, the last Sunday of 2018, you want to join with the people in our earlier service that made the same commitment. We call them fresh starts here because that's exactly what God gives you. A brand new start 
If you want that today, as a sign of obedience, as a sign of belief, just raise your hand up just as high as you can. Come on. I want to make a fresh start with Jesus right there. That's awesome. Come on, really high, really high. Man, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I see you, ma'am. Yeah, I see you guys. Thank you, Jesus. You? High. Really high. I love you. It's awesome. That's so good. All right. I want everybody to open your eyes. Oh, man. Hey, look at me. I tell you this sometimes. I wish I have you close your eyes because I, I want people to be able to have reverence and to be able to make that decision. And, and, but I wish sometimes you could see what I see. As people make a decision for Jesus to be their Lord for eternity. As world changers in this room right now, I watch world changers raise their hand. People that will rock this city just raise their hand. Man, I'm glad we had church today. Come on. Amen. Raise your right hand. Everyone in the room, we're going to pray this prayer together. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for a great year. I'm excited about another great year. Today, I give you this day. I give you my life, my heart, my hands, my everything. Forgive me when I am greedy and stingy and dumb and try to do it on my own. Today, I say you're Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. Come on, say it loud. Cover me with your blood. Wash away all of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and everything that comes with it. And help me to live an overcoming, abundant, and eternal life with you forever. In the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, everybody, put your hands like this and just shout amen real loud. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate with these folks that made fresh start.